This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, we're going to jump right in this morning, and uh, if you are a guest or you are missed a couple of weeks because you've been on vacation or whatever, we're in our middle of our summer series titled Psalms 139, and really we're just saying, you know, we're going to take a few weeks to go through Psalms 139 verse by verse by verse, and uh, it's our hope that as we do that, you'll hear something, you'll experience something, God will minister to you through the word, through the scripture, through the, uh, the point the bullets, whatever it is, and uh, really your faith would grow. Your personal faith would grow, and you would draw closer to the Lord as we go through this. So, uh, But as we dive in this morning, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you guys, some point in your life, had ran into a know-it-all? Come on, whoa, look at the hands go up. Quit nudging your, nudging your neighbor, okay? Okay, come on, every one of us has had a know-it-all in their life. You know what I'm talking about. We're talking about that person that it doesn't matter what you're talking about. It doesn't matter what stories, you know, they know it all. They've seen it all. They've done it all, okay? They've experienced everything. And the, the, the worst ones are the ones that actually kind of, like they overhear you talking and they insert themselves. Hey, 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 you know, I, I used to do that. I bet you used to do that, you know? And uh, uh, come on, if you, if, you, if you are a parent of a junior higher, you know what I'm talking about, okay, right? Okay, but why does it bug us so bad? Come on, because we are bugged by know-it-alls, Right? It's because we know that it's really not possible, right? Nobody knows everything, right? I used to work with a guy, this has been several decades ago, and his saying to me used to be, I forgot more than you'll ever know, right? So you just, you know, like, that's not even true, right? But it still bugs me, right? Because I know it's not true, but, but, uh, but there actually is a know-it-all. There actually is one person Someone who does know everything. It's God. God is a know-it-all. And I say that, Josh saw my notes yesterday. He's like, can you say that? Can you call him that? I can call him that because it's true, right? God does know everything. And that's really what we're looking at in this series. You know, God is omniscient, okay? He knows everything. He knows everything you're thinking, okay? He knows it before you even think it. How scary is that, right? And that's what we looked at in week one, verses one through six, that God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's on your heart, okay? God is also omnipresent. This one should make all of us a little uncomfortable. God is everywhere. Week two, we looked at verses seven through 12, okay? That that there's no place you can go. That God's not with you, not there with you, watching, participating. Come on, that should scare you. Okay, whatever it is you did yesterday, God did it with you. Think about that for a minute. I don't know whether it was good or whether it was bad, whether you should have done it or whether you shouldn't have done it. But God participated in the whole thing. And today we're gonna continue on and look at the fact that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that God cannot do. And this is the very God that David fell in love with. 
King David, the great King David from the Bible. This is the God that David fell in love with. And he began to, to pen the words of this psalm. And I don't know the setting. I don't know if he was out in the field playing a harp. I don't know if he was tending to sheep. I don't know if he was sitting in the castle, already a king. But at some point in his life, he began to reflect and write these beautiful words in this psalm. And it's a very intimate psalm. It's a very personal psalm. Written by a king, yes. A shepherd boy turned king. But those are the bookends of his life. In the in-between, he was a fierce warrior. Come on, there was a song, he used to sing a song. You know, Saul would kill his hundreds. David would kill his 10,000s, right? I mean, he was a, a fierce warrior. He was a loyal friend. Jonathan would tell you that. Very loyal, very loyal to the king, loyal to his friend. But he was also a liar, a betrayer, and an adulterer. He was human. Yet in his, in his humanity, David understood two of the most significant truths that there is. Who God is and who he was, who he was created to be. And no matter where his life took him, the choices he made, he remembered those two incredible things. And the irony of David's life and the, the successes and the failures, and in fact, incredible failure, right? Like, like we might think failing a test is kind of bad. Like, wow, I can't believe he did that. But we're talking adulterer, okay? I mean, major failure. But in the midst of all of that, God still said he was a man after his own heart. And I think it's that correlation between David's heart and his understanding of who God was and who David was created to be. So then the question comes to you and I, what about our hearts? Why does God seem so distant from you and I? Why do, why do we not seem to have the same understanding of God that David did? And I think it lies in this, and I'm really oversimplifying life, but I think most of our challenges, most of what we struggle with, most of what we deal with comes down to these things. We don't see God for who he is, and we don't see ourselves the way God created us. Now, come on, let's think about this for a minute. Come on, how many, think, how many have ever had the thought, you know, man, God is just, he's impersonal. I mean, he's just up there. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm down here. I'm dealing with stuff. I'm going through stuff. Where's God? God's distant. He's just far off. Or maybe we thought, you know, as we're praying and maybe we've been contending for something over and over again. God doesn't hear me. Or maybe because he's God, he hears my prayers, but he certainly doesn't listen to mine. Come on, am I speaking to anybody here? Yeah. I know there's people all around the room that have said these kinds of things, right? We, we found ourselves someplace apart from omniscient, om, omnipresent, and omnipotent, right? We, 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 we found that's there, and, but I don't see that. Or maybe we understand God as best as we can but it's the other half of the equation in that we don't understand 
or we've lost sight of how he's created us to be. I'm gonna go to some sensitive stuff this morning, but some of you, we deal with self-esteem and self-confidence issues. I'm not sure why God didn't create us that way. You were created to be unique. You were created to be special. You were created with a purpose. You were created with a destiny. But we don't see that. So we have some self-esteem issues we're challenged with. But God made a mistake when he made me. And there could be a lot of reasons why you think that. Too tall, too short, not smart enough. I, you know, what, whatever the things are, but you're, you think God maybe made a mistake. If it's not those identity issues, your self-esteem issues, personal things, then it comes down to the things of, of maybe bad family situation. One of your parents abandoned you, divorcing your life, and that has added to who you see yourself, who you think you are. And then there's still yet some of us that say, well, okay, God might have created me and created me with all this stuff. Pastor, I know you're saying I'm special, but certainly I've screwed it up because of my life choices, my decisions. And these two things, these two pivotal things then begin to frame in how we see God. And ultimately, how you see God is how you will see life. But David didn't have that framework. Whether he was winning a great battle or, or, or war, or whether he was having his friend killed in battle after he'd slept with his wife. David understood who God was and who he was created to be. He had this right perspective. So we're going to continue on in the scripture today. And look at the big idea. What David understood in all of this was that God loves me despite me. Okay, and that's the big idea. God knows everything about me and still loves all of me despite me. Okay? That's the big idea of our series. And today we're going to look at the next few verses, verses 13 through 22, and look at the idea that God can do all for me. Okay? And I think today's going to be fun. I think it's going to be challenging. I think it's going to be inspiring. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, pull the scriptures up this morning. And I'm going to read these for you. David says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. 
Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred for your enemies are my enemies. Very personal, very intimate, a continuation. The idea here as we jump into verses 13 through 15 is that God created you. And I think we should stop right there because that statement alone deserves a pause and deserves some worship and deserves some thought. God created you. Have you ever stopped to think how amazingly complex your body is, your human body? Every part of it? Did you know that you have over 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body? From the biggest aortas to the littlest capillaries. That's enough to stretch around the widest part of the globe two and a half times. In you, in you, in you. Do you know why your stomach acid doesn't eat right through your body? Because it'll actually eat metal if you put it on metal out on the ground. Because the cells in your stomach replenish at a faster rate than they're destroyed. That's an awesome God. (laughs) The cornea is the only part of your body that doesn't receive a blood supply and thus oxygen. That's because it gets its oxygen right here. Just straight into the eye. Your finger, go ahead, hold your finger up for a moment. Your finger can feel a bump on paper or a piece of wood or whatever that's only 13 nanometers thick. 13 nanometers just happens to be 7,500 times smaller than a human hair. Your finger can feel that, and I'm pretty sure that's why Braille works. That's an awesome God. And my last goodie for you today is that the human eyes can detect 2.3 million different shades of color. Unless you're colorblind, and then we'll pray for healing for you. But (laughs) 2.3 million. Come on, that's worth stopping right there because God is awesome and he created you. He created you. And David says he created my inner part. So it's not just the frame and the structure and the skin, but it also goes down to the inside stuff, your soul, your heart, okay, your brain, the things you think about. He created the innermost being of who you are. That's incredible. He also recognizes the fact that he says, in your mother's womb, in the secret place, God alone is your creator. Not even your parents. Parents are just simply stewards of the cells, of the DNA, and ultimately the parenting and the care when you're born. God created you. If you disagree with that one statement, and if you're a parent, I want you to, before you get pregnant, I want you to tell me how tall they're going to be, what color eyes they're going to have, and how tall they're going to be. You don't get to decide, okay? Because God alone is our creator. 
And the creator of anything is the one that gets to decide all about it. All about it. I brought my Lego manual up here, okay? My Lego instruction manual. And actually, you could grab an instruction manual from anything. You could grab it from a vacuum cleaner. You could grab it from a blender. It really makes no difference. My point's still the same, okay? And that is that somebody got a concept and an idea, okay? That, oh, we're going to do this, okay? And they, they draw it all out. Well, that person is the one that gets to decide how it's used, how it's built, how it's made, how it's cared for, and by the way, if it's broken, how you fix it, yeah. okay? And that's God, okay? God is your creator. Before you were even born, he decided that he was gonna create you. And then wherever his workbench is, he went to work and he's drawing this out and he's thinking about how he wants to make you and what you're gonna look like and the skills and the, the things that you're going to possess. And then he begins resourcing the materials, getting exactly what he needs. And then he created you, he actually did the building. And by the way, he's also given us the Bible which is our instruction manual. And he's the one that gets to tell us how this thing should operate, how it should live, how it should go through life. And by the way, if it gets broke, he's the one that decides who fixes it. Okay? Come on. God is you and I's creator. He created you for a specific purpose. He has a plan. He has a destiny for your life. And I want to go through some Focusing mainly today on the, the inner parts, the inner part of who you are. First is that God made you, okay? Your personality. Your personality is it's a God-given filter that you have that you use when you interact with people and situations in all of life. It's a personality. And that's, what, that's that inner part that David is talking about, that this psalm is talking about. You have a personality, Okay? Certain things like being dominant, being influential, being compliant, being steady. That's your personality. That's just, well, that person's a little, little domineering, okay? That's part of their personality. Now, we have to learn how to manage these things. We have to learn how to use them in an appropriate way with interrelations with other people. But how God made your personality is a good thing. It's a positive thing. I'm glad we have some dominant people on my team. I'm glad that I have some dominant people in my family, right? Because we can't all be dominant, but you want, I want some steady people on the team. I want a dominant person on the team, okay? And your personality is unique to you. But not just your personality, God also gifts you your spiritual gifts. You've been given a measure of spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are simply just a divine attribute, meaning it's, it, it, it's so outside of who you are to do it, it's a divine attribute. It comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's there for you to minister to other people. That's why it was given to you, okay? Ephesians 4, 7 says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. You have a gift. There's at least a minimum of 21, 23 of these things outlined in the Bible. But there could be a whole lot others too, just if it's a divine attribute given to you by God, 
that you couldn't do it on your own. Things like the gift of administration, the gift of discernment, the gift of healing, the gift of hospitality. These are spiritual gifts. It's part of how God made you. God energizes you is the next one. God energizes me, okay? God gave you certain passions, okay? A desire of the heart given by God that compels you to devote your resources and energy to specific areas of interest. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God gave each and every one of us these different passions, things that motivate us and drive us. It could be things like being passionate about pro-life, being passionate about single parents, being passionate about foster children, okay? About prison ministry, just areas of life, portions of life, ministry, okay, that... Maybe I'm not passionate about it. The person to your left or right's not passionate about it, but you're like, you know what? I'm passionate about that. That's how God made you, okay? That's, that, that, that's how he finds this balance of ministry is he is, impassions people for a variety of different things. And the last one is that God shapes you, your talents and your abilities. Some of us just have these things that we just do. They just come natural, you know, it's that thing that somebody has probably ever said to you, you know, you're really good at art or drawing. You're really good at this. And it's just a natural talent and ability. Others can struggle at it, can kind of do it, but with almost little effort, it just comes naturally to you. Woodworking, music, technology, writing. Okay, these are just four areas that God has made you, unique and special. And if, as I'm talking about these, if there's any of these, you're like, I don't know what those are. I've never thought about those. Now that you say it, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I don't, I don't know what I'm passionate about. Time flies by and another year goes by, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. We take time in our belong class to go through talk about these areas. And there's actually assessments in Belong. And even if you were a member and you went through Belong a decade ago, I encourage you to go in there, okay, and take those assessments. In the back of the book, you can take the assessments. You can take a spiritual gifts test. You can take a personality test. And you can find out how God wired you to be. You can find your, your sweet spot. Just really, really what, what am I passionate about? What am I good at? Because God created you that way. All of this should drive us to worship God. You just think about, I mean, I could stop there today and just how awesome that is that, that, that God made me, God made you, God made the person on your left and the person on our right. And you know, the amazing thing is I, I heard this in a movie just the other night. We try so hard to blend in when we were created to stand out. Think about that. You were created to stand out. Okay? You were made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says you were made in the image of God. You're like a little, a little replica. You have a little portion of God's attributes in you 
that makes you unique and special. And I want you to know today, if you get nothing else out of today, that, that when the enemy comes, the enemy's gonna come and fill you with lies. He's gonna come and tell you you're not special, you've screwed this up, you're not worth this, okay? When, that, when you begin to hear those things, I want you to say the same thing that David said. You can say it out loud, you can say it under your breath, but you declare it, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, say it. I am fearfully and wonderfully made because David understood that. And if we want to have the success and the blessings and the intimacy with God, to have God's own heart like David had, we have to understand that too, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And David continues on. He's penning this beautiful psalm. Verse 16, he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. You know, God wrote a story about you. The amazing thing is you and I, we read the Bible and we go through Genesis to Revelations and we get to Revelations and we're like, that's the end. No, that's the end of the inspired written word of God that's, that's been canonized and put into a book. But actually, Revelations, the next chapter and the next chapter is your life and your life and your life because the story is going on. The kingdom of God is continuing to move forward and he's wrote a story about you. And that story has a plot. Okay, it God thought of before you were even born. Okay, it has a plot. It has characters. And yes, there are gonna be some characters in your story. Some good and some bad. There's some characters. There's a setting. You know, you're not here on the 217 campus as an accident. That's right. If you woke up this morning and thought, what am I doing in Portland, Oregon? Well, it's because there's a setting to your story. Okay? And there's storylines. Right? There's victories and there's defeats. And those are part of the story. But there's also a villain. And that's the devil. There's a villain in your story. And he's hot on your trail. But there's also a hero in your story. And his name is Jesus, the son of God. I remember when I was growing up reading these stories. I didn't like to read, so these stories at least kind of connected me to the story better than just reading a, straight through a book. But you could read a chapter or two, and then you'd come to this place where you could take path A or path B, okay? And you take path A, and then you finish reading the, you know, these chapters. And the story has a completely different storyline, completely different ending altogether. Or you could read the other one. And ultimately, you know, I'd end up reading all of them in the book and getting all these different things. Well, the same, same is true for real life. You can follow God's story, or you can start writing your own. You get the choice. The story was already written, but we get to decide. Are we going to track with God, or are we going to go our own way? Tale of two kings. We know King Saul, King David. Both of them were chosen by God to be king. Both of them were kings. Saul chose his own story. That was his choice to make. And it didn't end well. David, despite the challenges and the failures and the mistakes that he made along the way, he continued to choose God's story. We know that because he wrote this beautiful psalm saying, I, I'm following this story. God has a story written for you and for me. 
And I know what you're thinking because all of us are a different age in the room and you're thinking, well, what about my past? God's taking care of that. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He can redeem your past. It doesn't matter what your past is. In fact, it doesn't matter so much that we know in Romans 8, 28, it says, for God can work all things together for your good. He can get your story back on track once you, once you decide to align with him, okay? So your past, it's taken care of. Your present, you and I get to decide. Here I am, I got this job, I got this family, I got these. Am I gonna let God into my world today? and walk out his story. And then your future, Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a plan and a future for you, but we get to decide. Another one is that God is always thinking about you. He's always thinking about you. Pastor Mark opened the series talking about this. David says that his thoughts about you outnumber all the grains of sand. That's every beach, every ocean floor, every riverbed, every golf course, every playpen in the, the, you know, the, the, the sandbox in the backyard. That's every grain of sand. Reality is, he's always thinking about you. In fact, David says, you know, it's almost, you can hear him say it almost exhaustedly, like, like when he wakes up, okay? When I wake up, you're, you're thinking about me. And that's so true. God is... Huh, wonder when Ian's gonna get up this morning. I can't wait to see Ian's day. I can't wait to see Ian go through this day. I have an amazing day in store for Ian. I've got some amazing things for him as a husband, as a dad, as a worker. How I mean, God is waiting for us to get up. And that's why the first 15 is so important, getting up. If God's sitting there waiting for you, let's not hurry, scurry off and go the other way. Let's go right there. Just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord, use me. I gotta move quick here. The psalm takes a turn here. So he's gone through the first 18 verses. They're very reflective. And like I said, I don't know the setting, but David's, you know, and you know me, and you think about me, and I can't escape you. He's saying all these things, and then there comes this moment where all of a sudden, I think he's just overwhelmed with emotion and how incredible God is. That the rest of the Psalm, the final four verses are really a response. And there's some strange language in there about, you know, I wanna hate the murderers and the scoundrels and, and that thing, and, and, you know, and, and what he's really saying is, if you're this awesome, if you created me, with your own hands. I want nothing to do than just surrender my life to you and worship you. And whatever you want, I want. Whatever you're against, I want to be against. And David's then just beginning to say, oh my, I don't want to be around anything that comes against you. And he's not talking about hate like you and I might think of hatred. He's talking about a pure hatred, which is almost a, uh, in the Hebrew, uh, uh, a rejection. He's just saying, I just, if it's against you in any way, I'm rejecting it. I want it out of my life. Because 
It's not in here. It's not in the instruction manual that you have for my life. And I want it out. And he says, you know what? I want to hate what you hate. And that's one of the points. Hate what is evil. And I don't need to go through a list. It's in the Bible of what you shouldn't be doing. But if it's, if it grieves your creator, it should grieve the created. And I think the opposite is true, and it's not in the scripture, I'm inferring it, but if we hate what is evil, then I think the opposite is true. We should love what is good. And God tells us what we should love. He says, love me first above all else. Seek first, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will take care of itself. Love my house. This is my house. This is my church. Love my church. And love one another. You know, in 1 John, it says that if you don't love one another, that's a sign that maybe you're not saved. That's pretty bold. They're saying the outworkings of a redeemed life would be that we love one another. And next week, we'll go into this last few verses, which continues this heartfelt response. But I think we can start today with our response. Would you stand to your feet? I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. God wrote an amazing story about you. And I wish I could come around the room right now and look at you eyeball to eyeball and tell you how amazing and unique you are because it's true. And that God wrote a story about you and that story is unfolding and if there's some pages you didn't like, it can be redeemed through the work of Christ. But you have an amazing story. But you and I get to decide. Are we going to write our own story and just hope it works out? Or are we going to follow God's story? And today, before we go any farther, I want to give every person that choice, chance to respond. David was responding at the end of this psalm, that we would respond. Say, I know that you're everywhere. I know that I can't escape you. I know that you know everything. And I know that you made me you have a story for me. And I just simply want to invite you into my life. If there's anybody here that's never asked Jesus into your heart, would you stretch your hands towards heaven? Come on, let day, today be the day you choose path A and see where that takes you. Come on, just stretch your hands towards heaven. Keep your hands up for just a moment. The service hosts are there. But I wanna pray for all of us today. Because I want to go back to those two ideas that all of us around the room, we struggle with who God is. And he's one thing today, but when I'm facing this diagnosis, eh, he's another. But he's not. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere. God can do everything for you. Today's gonna take some boldness, but I want you to stretch your hand. 
If you struggle at times with who God is or who he's created you to be, come on, stretch your hands towards heaven. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, lift them up. Come on, it's, it's a lot of the room. It's most of the room. It could be all of us. I know. And I just want to let the Holy Spirit just minister to us today. Father, I find myself today sitting before you almost like David did as he's writing out the words of this psalm. I'm thinking about how much you love me in spite of me, how much you love every person in this room in spite of their decisions, in spite of their choices, in spite of their doubts, in spite of their disbelief. And Lord, I just can't help but think Lord, that you want to come today. Lord, and you want to minister to that place in our heart where we wrestle with that thing. Lord, you want us to have a heart like David, a heart that is hard after you, that understands how awesome and great and mighty you are under any circumstance. When I face that hard thing, I say, you know what? My God knows me. My God created me. My God's got a plan for me. And my God is right here with me. Lord, come and minister grace today. Pour out your spirit in this place today. Lord, you see every hand, Lord God. And you know whether they struggle with themselves and their self-esteem and how you created them and their identity. And I pray, Lord, you'd come and you'd minister to them in a special way. Lord, that you'd boost their understanding that they are unique and to quit trying to blend in when you've created them to stand out. And Lord, for all of us today, Lord, we just, we just ask for an upgrade. Lord, when we leave this place, no matter what we face and experience, we would say, you know what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my God can do all for me. Come on, if you believe that, can you give Jesus some praise this morning? God, we love you. We thank you.